Romans chapter 6, as we just continue to make our way through this glorious epistle. This morning our aim is going to go to uh, be verse 12 through 17, and uh, just, just, just a lot of just glorious truth, building on what we've been looking at really throughout, again, the whole epistle, then especially the last few weeks, um, we really just rejoiced again in the fact that uh, and that truth that Christ died for our sins and then he rose and the life he now lives, he lives to the father. And we talked about that last week and saw how when we put faith in the Lord that we were baptized spiritually by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. We identify with the death of the Lord and that, again, he paid the penalty of our sins. And then absolutely, we became new creations in Christ Jesus. We became a people who were born again, again, as he conquered our enemies, sin, death, Satan, and hell. And now we know as, as again, we have died with Christ, that we are resurrected, that when we pass from this life, we will pass into eternal life, into glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so absolutely, that is the good news of Jesus Christ. And again, we saw as well that the life the Lord now lives, he lives unto the Father. And if we've partaken of the gospel and we've put faith in Jesus Christ, we now as well are to live the life we live unto the Father. And I think this is a huge truth we got to get before us because absolutely we do and we should and we should always rejoice in the work of the cross of Calvary. But also we want to not stop there in our walk with the Lord. Um, again, when we talk about Christ and Christians, it seems, again, the focus is on the cross as it should be. But again, a lot of times I hear a lack of focus in what we're doing now. We identify again with Jesus, the cross, the resurrection. But are you identifying with him and that, again, the life he now lives, he lives unto the Father? And this morning, again, we're going to talk about that, living our lives now unto the Father, and we're going to look at some things to help us do that practically, in particular in the area of combating sin practically. Again, positionally, we're right with them practically. Sin wages war against our soul, lust of our flesh versus a desire in the spirit to serve the Lord. And we're going to look at three areas in particular. Number one, that we are not to let sin reign or rule in our bodies lest we obey its lust. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into some of the original language here and the, the depth of what's being put forth before us. And I'm just really praying as we do that, there's truths here that help liberate you and help strengthen you in the life that you're now living that you want to live unto the Lord. And then we're going to see that we are called to present ourselves and our members or our body not as instruments of unrighteousness, but as instruments of righteousness unto God. And we're going to look at that word presents. It's a huge word. And then again, we're going to see that we have to recognize our call to be slaves unto God and not unto sin. So with that said, let's read our text here together and then we'll dive into this and just pray that uh, God greatly blesses our time here in the word. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its obey it in its lust and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 15, what then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thank that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Now again, notice verse 12 there. It starts with the word therefore. And therefore is one of those, again, linking words, linking the last thought with the thought that's going to be introduced next. 
It's really saying with that said. So again, we want to ask the question with what said. Romans 6, 10 and 11 is what was said. Again, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And then again, the word likewise comes up. Likewise, you also reckon reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we've already just began to reestablish, this speaks of what Jesus did, and then it also speaks about what Jesus is doing. And again, look at we want to rejoice in and stand in and celebrate what Jesus did all of our days. We want to rejoice in the finished work of the cross. That him who knew no sin became sin for us. That the wrath to us and our rebellion and our transgression was placed on the Son of God. That again, he went there to pay that penalty, to pay our debt. He did that. He laid down his life in our place. And we saw how sin came through one man. Salvation comes through one man. And his death could not hold him. On the third day, he rose from the grave. And again, we never want to lose sight of the gospel. I just want to put an extra emphasis on this because what I'm going to say next may be taken as me not putting an emphasis on the cross or de-emphasizing it, and it's absolutely not that. Without the cross of Calvary, we have nothing. Without Christ's death and resurrection, look at we're a bunch of fools out here this morning if Christ did not indeed die for our sins and resurrect from the grave. It's the gospel. It's the good news. It's what we stand on. It's what we proclaim. Absolutely. It's the demonstration, an ongoing, the ongoing demonstration of God's love for us and that while we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. And again, the demonstration of his love is there. Salvation is found there. Again, there's great peace found there. That's what he did for us. And then again, he rose from the grave. And we should ask the question, what's he doing now? And what he is doing now is living the life he lives unto God. And so it says, likewise, we're to be like Christ. We're to be imitators of Christ. As he is holy, we are called to be holy. And when I say we, I'm speaking about those who put faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord. Is that you this morning? Can you say amen to that? We've put our faith in the Lord jesus christ so again we rejoice on the cross we look at the cross we say thank you lord thank you for grace but then again we also want to say now what are you doing lord and what the lord is doing now is living the life that he is living unto god you know jesus ministry hasn't stopped at the work of the cross it goes on he even lives to make intercession for you this day He absolutely is about the business of God the Father as God the Son, working in conjunction with God the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to recognize ourselves in Christ, to recognize that through faith in Christ, and indeed, our sins are forgiven. Indeed, we're to be dead to sin, and then again, alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So it's a thing of recognizing in Christ, I am washed, I am cleansed, I absolutely am right standing with God positionally. And now I want to recognize, as I recognize myself with Christ on the cross and the finished work of Jesus, his grace and shed blood covering me, I'm also to recognize myself in newness of life and what the Lord's about now. And what the Lord is about now is not seeking after sin. It's not carnality. But he is about living unto the Father. And if I'm in Christ Jesus, I need to recognize that my life is to be lived under the glory of God, not dabbling and walking in sin and rebellion and those things that Christ went to the cross to set me free from. So with that said, again, he says, therefore, and this is where Paul gets practical. There's a lot. There's a lot, again, true for us to help us in this walk, but he's talking specifically this morning about the area of sin and allowing it to reign and rule in our life versus, again, a heart yielded to God Almighty. And there's a lot of practical truth. He says, therefore, this being the case, 
Don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Translation, if you allow sin now to reign or Lord in your mortal body, you will obey its lust. What are you allowing to reign in your body this morning? Now, notice what he starts here. We're, we're going to get to that word reign and, and some of these phrases here and, and try to break these down. And I'm hoping as we do that, there's just certain truths that come forth that, that help you, that help liberate you, that help strengthen you in your walk with the Lord. Because I just, you know what, believe you're here this morning. You got up this morning. I, I know when I got up, it was about 30 degrees. Everything was icy and so forth. And, you know, it took some effort to get down here. I think, look, at it, this, is, this is the season where if you want an excuse not to go to church, you're going to find a million and one of them, aren't you? And you folks chose this morning to say, I'm going to get up. You know what? I'm going to get ready. I'm going to come out. They're like, yeah, they're outside. It's nice under those tents. But I'll tell you, walking in and so forth, it's chilly and so forth. And you chose to come here this morning. And I believe it's because you want to live the life that you're living under the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I wrong in that or can we say amen to that? And so, again, notice what he says here first. He says, therefore, do not let. And he, he's, he's speaking to us directly. It's a call for us to quit doing something and to start doing something else. It, it is a spiritual call, but it's also absolutely a practical call. Um, I think a lot of times when it comes to things we're called to do, in the scripture, a lot of people get this mentality. Well, I'll do it once I get the Holy Ghost float. And what I mean by that, it's this mindset of if God wants me to do that, he's going to have the spirit of God kind of lift me up and float me over to this place, then set me back down so I can do it. Now, again, we can't do anything without the strength of God. And absolutely, we need the Holy Spirit of God working in our lives, empowering us, the fruits of the Spirit. That comes through abiding in the Lord, absolutely. But there has to be a decision to make that I'm going to abide in the Lord. That I'm going to ask for a fresh filling of the Spirit of God. That absolutely, I'm going to guard my heart and I'm going to put forth the, the, the effort to put down sin and not allow it to reign in my mortal body. There's decision-making that goes on in this. There's discipline that goes on in this. There's a fervency that has to be put forth in this. This is a choice that has to be made. And you look around, there's a lot of folks that claim the name of Jesus. They believe he died for them. They believe they, he rose from the dead. They say they've put their faith in him. It's not me to judge anyone's heart. I, I hope that's the case. But then it comes to the life they're living and they don't want to live it under God. They want to do as they will. They want to say, oh, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Now I'll be over here doing my own thing and so forth. And again, if he is your Lord and you identify with him with the, at the cross, are you now identifying him with the life he is now living under the Father? A lot of people don't want to identify him with, identify with them in that. And again, to now walk in that, we have to say, yes, I want to walk in that. I want to live the life I am living under the glory of the Father. Not 90% of it or 80% of it. It should be a call of, I want to live all my life under the Lord. And he says, therefore, do not. This is a call to us. It's a choice to be made. This is like Joshua speaking to the children of Israel. They're in Joshua twenty four fifteen. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve again therefore do not we'll see the word therefore and some other direct terms to us put forth here he says whether the gods which your father served that we be, that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the amorites in whose land you dwell again but as for me and my house we'll serve the lord he was very resolute he says there's no ifs ands or buts about it we're here to serve God with our lives. And I'll tell you, again, in this call to live lives unto God, it's really got to start with a resolute heart. Because if you're like, well, we'll see how it goes, that's a recipe for disaster. There's got to be a purpose in the heart 
right from the beginning as we get up each day i'm going to serve god today that is my aim that is my goal and i'll tell you if that's not your aim or goal you need to bring that before god and say god change my heart because your aim or goal isn't even going to produce an abundant life it's going to bring forth destruction whether it's again rebellion on a small level for men's view or a large level so this starts with an acknowledgement that yes jesus is my lord and then from there a recognition we need to recognize you better recognize you got to recognize this morning if he is really your lord then what should come with that as a desire to do what he is doing to be imitators of christ is that the case in your heart this morning ask yourself that do i have that desire to be doing what he is doing because if that's not there especially if that's never been there that's when you really got to be honest with yourself and ask who's my lord look at jesus being your lord that's a big thing oh jesus is my lord and savior but i do whatever i want whenever i want to do it is he really your lord and savior is he really not judging any hearts or you got to examine yourselves some people, though, they just want to identify with the Lord on the cross. And yes, he died for him, rose from the grave. But now he's living the life he lives under God. Do you identify yourself with that? Because if you don't, it might be because you're really not in Christ Jesus in the first place. Or it might just be your backslidden. And if that's the case, the Lord's going to take you to the woodshed. And if he doesn't, then you really better check yourself because he disciplines his children. Again, there's got to be this choice made. I want to live my life. And then from there, there's an actual willful doing. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your body. Again, that's a command to us to do something, not just to wait to get lifted up and floated through. It's an exercise of the will. We exercise our will continually. Most of you are going to do it this uh, tomorrow morning, getting up and going to work, dropping those kids off running them all around, all the different stuff you're going to get up and you're going to do. Don't fall into that place when it comes to serving God that you say, well, look it, these are just the spiritual things. Unless I get a tingling, unless I get a feeling, you know, and I'm not going to do it. You got to be resolute. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And when you do that, God's going to strengthen you to do what he's called you to do. There's no question about it. James 1.22, notice, be doers of the word, not hearers only notice deceiving yourself there's a deception there if you just hear the word and you don't do the word for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was notice what he says next but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty praise god for liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful here, listen to this, but a doer of the work, this one will be, notice, blessed in what he does. This is not a call to bondage. Some people we start to hear this and you know it. Now the life I live, I live unto God like Jesus. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound like life. Look at that's where life's found. That's where blessings found. That's where, again, love and the fruits of the Spirit of God are found. You know what's found in sin and walking after that? It may be pleasurable for a season, but it ends in death. There's not life found there. You're not loving God in that. You're not loving your neighbor. And truthfully, you're not even loving yourself in that, in the true sense of how God loves us. Now, beautifully, again, whatever he calls us to do, we can know he first did himself. And Jesus first, again, went to the cross, rose from the grave, and now the life he lives, he lives under the Father. He's first done that himself and is doing that. And then again, whatever he calls us to do, he will empower us to do it. But there's somewhere in the midst of it of me needing to decide, I want to do this. And then he empowers us. Don't be in that place of saying, well, you know, when he lifts me up and gets me going, it's a combination of you saying, I'm ready to go, Lord. I'm ready to live for you. I want to live for you. And if you're not at that point, you need to start praying about that. God, why am I not in a place of not wanting to live my life for you? Come and 
fix that in me. Come and do a work. Invite the Lord to come in and to bring a correction, to slap your face around, to wake you up. Because, guys, our time here is short, and we need to be living for the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, do not let against sin. And sin is missing the mark. Sin is an offense to God. Sin is rebellion against God. God hates sin. Jesus went to the cross to eradicate sin. It's things outside of his will. We're not to allow that to reign in our life. The word reign here, it's, 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 it's a broad word. It means to rule. It means to be king, to have dominion, to prevail. It means to be pro- prominent or to dominate or to be superior over. Who, is, who has that place of superiority in your life? Is it sin or is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Be truthful with yourself. In the areas of your life, are there areas where sin has predominance over the Lord Jesus Christ? If that's the case, you need to bring that before God Almighty. And I know oftentimes with this, you know, you go to sexual immorality, you go to drug usage, you go to drinking and so forth. What about just maybe the area of pride? What about the area of self-pity? What about the prayer area of evil suspicions? All sorts of things that can come in, that can sneak its way in, that we don't identify because we're just thinking, you know, drug addicts and, you know, prostitutes and so forth. None of those, so I'm all good. That may not be the case. Let's ask the Lord to really shine a light. This word reign, it means to exercise lordship over versus being under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Are there certain things that just dominate you in such a way and you allow it to be the case, as we talked about last week, versus there at least being a pushback, there at least being acknowledgement, there at least being, you know, bringing it before the Lord, saying, God, help me, God, pick me up. Yeah, I know I fell down, but pick me up. And I'm wanting to overcome this. That's far different than just a yielded position to sin, allowing it just to reign. This also means to excel in. To be conformed by versus seeing it decline. When something's raining, it's excelling, it's getting more. It's, it's, it's building a stronger, you know, a stronghold in your life. It's conforming you. Hopefully it's a thing in our life where we are growing in the Lord and we're seeing sin decline and we're seeing more of Him evidence. Isn't it a glorious thing when you see someone get saved? And then you watch them, and you start watching a change happen in them. And again, it's God doing the change, but we have to be in a place where we're yielded, saying, yes, God, come do the chain, change. When, when, you know, the Lord starts, you know, taking away that gruffness, and a gentleness starts coming along them, and, uh, you know, their, their, their verbiage starts changing from every sentence about themselves to, you know, what, one out of ten sentences talking about the Lord. You know, it's, it's a slow process and so forth. But it's a glorious thing to see. It's a glorious thing when you see that in your own life. When you're like, wow, God's doing a, a work in my life. And let's remember, again, it's God doing the work. One other note on this word reign, it means preeminence. To act as ruler in that you ultimately obey its commands. He says, don't let it reign. I think a King Solomon who started off so well who wanted wisdom from the Lord. He really wanted help and honoring God. He recognized he needed that help, and God bestowed wisdom upon him. But see, the kings were not to stockpile gold, chariots, or wives. They weren't to do that because if they did do that, those things would come in and would want to reign in their life over the Lord. And we know Solomon, with all of his wisdom, got really, really stupid. (laughs) And he began to stockpile gold and chariots. His father didn't do that. I mean, there are certain battles where David went out and won, and it says he hamstrung the horses that took the chariots out in a battle of the enemies this defeated. Some glorious truth that kind of gets lost in the wash sometimes when it shouldn't. And then even more so, it says Solomon began to stockpile foreign wives. And yes, when you have... I believe it was 700, that's stockpiling them. You know, Ed, as well, along with all his concubines, he let them reign. He let them come in. 
They weren't supposed to be there, and yet he brought them in. They again began to then ultimately rule over him, and he began to seek after their gods. It says they led his heart astray, but listen, he allowed that to be the case. He allowed that. He married himself to them versus saying, I'm not going to have anything to do with this. Or even versus saying, God, you know, you've given me wisdom, and I, I got some wayward eyes. I, I, I got some lust in my flesh. Help me, Lord. I guarantee you God would have helped him. God would have met him where he was at. Even if it was a lifetime wrestling match, far better to be in that place than just marrying yourself to it. Are you married to sin in the sense of you allow it to reign in your life? Maybe you're not even doing anything about it. You better start doing something about it. A lot of people today, they make excuses to allow sin to reign in their life. They think they're going to have some partiality because they have certain attractions or so forth. And, you know, the world wants to cater to that. Ain't going to be the case before God. He says, don't let it reign in your life. Don't let it reign in your mortal bodies. And again, that's these bodies right now. These bodies are going to be changed and praise God. Even our body is going to have victory over these things. But he says, this is a flesh that desires lustful things. It lusts after sin. And again, it's a lust that wages war against the soul. And I hope there's a war being waged. If there's no war, again, problematic. First Peter 2, 11, it says, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, in other words, as people passing through, this is not our home, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. And listen, you're going to only glorify God in that day of visitation if you're born again, because if you're not, you're going to be running for the hills. So in other words, again, the way we live, as we live our life unto God, that's going to impact those around us. Do you not care about people in your life that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope you do. I, I, I hope you don't just bury those thoughts of, man, if this person dies today outside of Christ, they're going to spend an eternity to hell. The Lord or the devil wants us to do that. Out of our love for others, we need to be recognized. I'm called to live my life unto God, that that would be, again, another factor that God can work through to see them the rea- to show them the reality of a risen Lord, that when the Lord comes back, they're in a place where they've put faith in God themselves, and they glorify God in that day of visitation. So look at, ultimately in this, if you let sin reign in your flesh, you will obey its lust. You will. Well, not me. No, you too. We'll see in a minute here. Who we present ourselves to is who we will obey. And so again, I just ask you this morning, do you sow sin, fleshly lust, the world's way, and doctrines of demons into your soul all day without any pushback? That's what most of the world does. Most of the stuff out there today influencing us, you know, outside of a remnant of things that are greatly glorious in God, most of it out there in this world absolutely is rebellion against God. Have you noticed that? It's just a, a continual sowing. And do we just allow that to happen and come in shape and mold us? Or is it a thing of, hey, I'm in this world and all these influences are here, but I'm going to stand and I'm going to war against these things and I'm not going to allow them to come in and shape my person. When I hear something out here that's contrary to God's word, do I just allow that to come in or to go, wait a minute, that ain't right? Or is it, you know, wait a minute, I don't accept that. Or... I resist this because this is what God's word says. That's that's part of not allowing this to reign. Second Corinthians 10 three for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, notice the verbiage here, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And too many, op- too many times we allow things to come in that are contrary to our God and the Word, 
And we can even use the excuse of grace to allow that be the case. Look, at I got grace. I'm under grace. So it's okay to allow this to come in versus being in that place of I got grace. And that call in grace is now to be walking as Christ walked. And I'm not going to allow this to come in. Instead of using grace to allow it to come in, I'm going to stand on the grace of God to put this in check. And let me tell you, in the life that you're living today, it should be a thing all day long where you're like, that ain't right. I don't accept that. I resist that because it's contrary to God's word. That should be going off all day long because of the influences around us. And if it's not the case, if you allow this to come in, again, if you allow those thoughts to come in and shape you and so forth, you're going to start obeying the commands coming with that rebellion. Galatians 6, 7, I come to this verse a lot. I think it's just a huge verse. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Again, you allow that sin to come in. You allow that rebellion to come in. It's going to produce something in your life. He's saying, don't let it rain. Put it in check. Put it down. Do not let those thoughts, these ideas, these pursuits come in and take charge of your life. Jesus should have charge of your life. Amen. He says next again. And we're spending a lot of time in these first few verses. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust to obey here. It means to listen attentively to with compliance or with obedience. That should not be us. We should not have a tint of ear to sin and to lust and rebellion wanting to obey it. Jesus said in John ten twenty seven, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And notice Jesus said they follow me. They follow me. This word obey also means to heed, to regard, or to conform to. Again, obey, reign, it kind of goes together. What's conforming you? Are you being conformed to be more like Jesus? To be transformed, being more like the Lord? Are you being conformed more like the world? I look around and I look at much of the church and it's being conformed by the world, not being transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the church more and more, much of the church. I, I, I want to be careful with my words. It, it looks more and more worldly. They're trying to make an exception for every single sin. Hey, look, at, let's find a loophole for you in the Bible to go get together, you know, with another fella. That's not biblical. That's not scriptural. That's not God's heart for you. That's God's not, mind, not God's mind for you. You know, let's make a way for these young people, you know, to, you know, to, to, to get in the bed together before they get married. You see it happening all over the place. Let's make a way so that, you know, we, we get accepted by the world and the, you know, our, what we believe is not an offense to them. The cross of Christ is an offense to those that are perishing. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, notice that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You present it. It's a picture saying, I'm all in. I'm a, I, I, I give it all to the Lord. Holy, acceptable to God. Notice, which is your reasonable service. Maybe you're at this point saying, oh, come on, man. This is all unreasonable. Jesus Christ laid it all down to save you. Was that reasonable? And do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove uh, what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Look at this word, obey. It also means to hearken as a doorkeeper would. In other words, someone's knocking on the door. Who are you hearkening? Not a word I use a whole lot, but I'm going to use it this morning. Who are you hearkening? You know, every single day sin's knocking on the door of your heart saying, hey, I'm here. I'm hearkening you. Come obey me. I go back there to Genesis, and we talked about this not long ago. Cain there. You know, after the fall of man, he had his brother Abel. They brought sacrifice before God. God accepted Abel's. It was a blood sacrifice. He recognized, I'm a sinner. I need blood shed for me. Cain brought the works of his hands. The Lord said, I don't accept this. And then in Genesis 4, 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? 
And if you do not do well, notice here, sin lies at the door and its desire is for is for you that it should rule over you. In other words, sin's knocking on your door, Cain. Are you going to open the door to it? It's desiring to reign over you. Praise God, though, for Revelation 319, where the Lord says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And he's talking to a compromised church that's allowing sin to reign. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And then beautifully to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Who do you hearken as that knock comes? Sin's a knocking. Let's go. Or is it, man, Jesus is knocking. I want to walk with him because the life he lives, he lives under the Father. And that's the life that I have by his grace through faith in him been saved unto. This word obey also means to yield to a support, command, or force. And yes, temptation is powerful, but Jesus is more so. And with every way of attention, uh, uh, every Every temptation, he's going to make a way of escape so that you can bear it. We need to remember that. This also obey means to obey one's passion. Listen to this. Thus becoming enslaved by them. Are you enslaved by sin and that you obey its every command? Again, the Lord said in John 8, 34, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. The Lord has not saved us to be slaves of sin he saved us to be slaves of him where life is found. Verse 13. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. The word present here, it means to stand aside with, to yield to. It's a sacrifice unto the Lord, or it's, it's all in. To present here means I'm all in. It means 24-7, not here or there where it's convenient. He says, don't present your members to unrighteousness, but present them to God. This is why the Lord says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. See, a lot of people think the call to, get, to, to be a Christian is, I accept Jesus his death, his resurrection, now I'm saved, now I'm a Christian. That, that's not all the call. The call is then now to follow the Lord. Now I'm saved through what he did, praise God. It's not me. But it's a call to come and follow the Lord. He rose and now the life he lives, he lives under the Father. And we are now to present our bodies, our members unto him. Again, your members, what are they? It's your heart, it's your ears, it's your eyes, it's your touch, it's your tongue. Again, it's your physical being. These are members. These are instruments that are to be used for God's glory. Second Timothy 2.20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of also wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. There, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And then notice, flee youthful lust. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. What are you a vessel of? What do you want to be a vessel of? Honor or dishonor? And if you're in the place of saying, I make provision for sin, I obey its lust, I allow it to reign, you're going to be a vessel of dishonor. Not my words, it's the word of God saying that. If the heart is the life I live, I want to live it unto the Lord. Yes, They'll be fumbling, they'll be bumbling, there'll be times we get knocked down, but the heart that wants to live in the Lord says, I'm going to get back up. I know where to get washed. Onward, Christian soldiers. There's a war going on here. There's a war going on. First Thessalonians 4.4, 4, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God. So again, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God being alive from the dead and your members of instruments of righteousness to God. Again, this is a call for us. He says, 
you present yourself not to unrighteousness, but to God. What are you presenting yourself to? What's the aim of your life? Some will say, well, see, but you don't you don't know the influences again around me. It's just too difficult for me. There's just too much sin around me. Well, did we not read where sin aboundeth, grace aboundeth more? (laughs) Think about Joseph and the temptations around him. Young man sold into slavery. You know what, a woman each day trying to get him to lie with him. He could have easily made excuse for that. He could have easily said, this is unfair, everything that's happened to me. I'm going to go, you know, dabble a little on this because I deserve it, old boy. I really do. But he said, no, I'm going to present myself to God. Why should I do this evil and sin against God? And boy, it really just opened the door for God to use Joseph in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. That's not a man that wasted his life. What are you presenting your members to? Unrighteousness or righteousness? Some verses here in. I think these are just helpful. These are a lot, lot of these truths here. 1 Corinthians 6.12 All things are lawful for me, praise God. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I won't be brought under the power of any. Why would he say that? Because the life he says I live, I want to live unto God, not unto sin. I don't want to be brought under that power. I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Foods for the stomach, stomachs for the food, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body's not for sexual immorality, but what? But for the Lord. Yeah, this, is, this is the call of the Christian. The life I live, I live under the Lord. Because He's my Lord and Savior, I live for Him. I present my body to Him. And the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and God also raised us up by His power. And then He says down in verse 18, Flee sexual immorality. And then drop down there to verse 20. You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Your body belongs to God. What are you presenting your members to? Jesus said in Matthew 6, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, if I take my eyes and I say, I want to use my eyes to glorify God, And absolutely what I put before my eyes, what I present before my eyes, I want it to be the things of God. It's going to bring forth fruits of the Holy Spirit of God. If you want to put before your eyes that which is wicked, you will obey its lust and it will destroy your life. Grace has not been given to you to destroy your life. It's been given to you that you would abound in the life that God has for you. Proverbs 4.20 through 27 man he addresses almost all the members here my son give attention to my words that's a verb incline your ear to my sayings that's a verb what's going in your ear what do you incline your ear to hear did you hear the phrase going in growing up growing up garbage in garbage out that's biblical what do you present to your ears Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Talking about his word. Your ears, your eyes, your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Notice these are verbs. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Do not let your eyelids look Right, and, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. In other words, what am I presenting to myself to? Where are my feet leading to me? Who am I pursuing? And let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Look at again, these are verbs. Who are you presenting yourself to? Who are you obeying? Well, I'm just waiting for that Holy Ghost float to pick me up. Look at somewhere along the line. You got to say enough of this. Lord, empower me with your Holy Spirit to walk in victory over this stuff. To go to war with it. Not just to concede to it. The life I live, I'm to live unto God. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 
9.27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. He says, I got to discipline this flesh. I got to bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. And then Jesus said in Matthew 5.29, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. Verse 30, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. Is this the Lord saying literally cut it off? Some people have taken it as that. No, he's not saying that. God is not pro-mutilation of the body in that sense. He's saying cut off what fuels the unction to sin. Quit presenting yourself to that thing that's causing your right hand or your right eye to sin. Quit yielding to that. Present yourself to the Lord so you can use that hand or that eye to glorify God. Infuse yourself with the presence of God versus presenting yourself to Him over and over again. Here I am, Lord, again. I'm here to worship you. I'm here to get in your word. I'm here to cast my cares on you. Lord, now help me to go take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and let not and, and let not this nonsense influence me. Why do we want a world that's rebellious against God to influence us? You know, God hates all that. He loves those people immensely. He loved us when we, we were in that place, but he hates their rebellion. He hates their godliness, godlessness, and he hates their sin. And again, he says, do this being alive from the dead. In other words, we have power from the Holy Spirit of God. As he says in Colossians 6 or 2, 6, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him. Get up and do it. And you'll be amazed how God will go before you. Quickly with these other verses we have before us, because we've established so much here already. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Again, we know this to be true positionally. We talk about it all the time. I'm not under the law. Christ fulfilled the law. As it says there in Colossians, the handwriting against me, the Lord has nailed it to the cross of Calvary. I'm a free man. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. So again, if I'm not under the dominion of sin, because I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not, or God forbid. It's the second time he's asked us in this chapter. God forbid, or certainly not. Why? Because grace has set me free now to walk in newness of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his purpose, to save you and then to absolutely give you divine influence to now live the life you live unto God again. It's not Jesus died for me. He rose from the grave. Now the life I live, I live under sin by bringing out my grace card. No, the life I live, I live now unto him, bringing out the proclamation. I am saved by grace through faith unto the Lord. My Lord died for me. He rose from the grave and the life he lives, he lives unto God. The life I live, I want to live unto God. And any other thing, it's God forbid. God forbid that be the case. Verse 16. Do you not know that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? So again, if your one intent is to present yourself to unrighteousness, to unholiness, you want to obey it. You want to say, I got grace. So look it, I'm, it's okay because I got grace. And God knows. So look at it, it's provision. He's saying here, the one you present yourself slaves to obey. You are that one slave. Does that not make that your Lord? I don't want sin to be my Lord. I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord. And I want it to be more than, yes, he died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He is my Lord. I want it to be as well. And the life I now live, I live unto God. And he's my Lord 24-7. Not just when I come home from a day of doing as I will, letting the world dictate to me and 
influence me and me bending knee to it and, you know, enjoying it and say, okay, where's my Lord? Wash me, Lord. And now I go back to all of it. Again, things don't start and stop at the cross for the believer. That's where things begin. That's a continual demonstration of his love for us. But then we are called to now go walk in newness of life. Let's set out to obey him. Let's set out to abound in him. And I'll tell you, good things come out of it. Blessings come out of it. Again, out of sin, death comes out of it. Verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So again, God be thanked. You were slaves to sin. Man, again, let's never quit thanking God for the work of the cross, God's grace, God's mercy. Without it, we have nothing. We don't want to become these legalists. We don't want to become these people saying, yeah, he got me going, but now I'm saving myself over here. That's not what this is. Let's thank him every single day. Because, yes, we were slaves to sin, yet we obeyed. We obeyed from the heart, again, the form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And what were we delivered to? Well, we were delivered by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the teaching of Christ that we are sinners. He died on the cross for us. He rose from the grave. Again, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Romans 1.16. We thank God for that. Amen. And then he delivered us again through the cross. Again, he gave his son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then he's also, though, delivered us to the life we now live. We live unto him. You've been delivered from sin and you've been delivered unto him to live for him. You know, God's in the deliverance ministries. As someone asked me a few weeks ago. You know what, do, do, you, do you have a deliverance ministry? I'm like, what do you mean by that? Because sometimes that's just like, you know, they, they just watch The Exorcist or something. Well, let me get my goggles. No. I'm like, yeah, it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know if they wanted to hear that or not. I go, who needs to be delivered? Well, my sister. I go, does she want to be delivered? I don't think so. Well, I'll pray for her. No one's going to get delivered unless they want to be delivered. We need to pray that their eyes will be open to the fact they need to be delivered. But I'll tell you, that which delivers them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not that just saves you, but again, saves you unto living a life unto the Lord. Oh, but there's spiritual strongholds there. Their great-great-grandmother was a witch. Christ's blood has broken that. He shed his blood to allow you to live the life you live now unto God. Claim that truth in Jesus Christ's name. Claim that truth. It's not he died for me, rose from the grave. And now I'd really like to live that life, but I can't because of all those past strongholds and bondages. And my great uncle on the left side was a 33rd degree Mason. Jesus Christ shed the blood so the life you now live, you live unto the Lord. There might need some renewing of the mind and so forth. That's the case for all of us. But God says, go walk now with me. Present yourself to me. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. As you submit those things before God, absolutely the devil will run. He will flee and you'll walk again in beauty and in hand in hand with your God. Draw near to him. It just, I know there's a spiritual war going on. I, I, I have tasted and seen of it firsthand all of my life. But I'm going to tell you this idea that, that the shed blood of the Lord can't set you free. And, and you know, those are lies from the devil. 
We got to operate by faith, know who we are in God. The life we live now, let's live unto God. If he's called us to do it, he's going to empower us to do it. Amen. Let's stand up and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We praise you. We just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that indeed you went to the cross for our sins. You rose from the grave. We stand in that. We rejoice in that. We never, ever want to lose sight of that. But Lord, help us where we've lost sight at times of the fact that the life you now live, you live unto God the Father. Oh, Lord, put that deep in our hearts. Lord, if there's areas where we are allowing sin to reign in our life, where we've come to the place of bending knee to it, Lord, forgive us, wash us. We pray those things would be put down. And Lord, you would help and aid us, God, and give us that unction to daily present ourselves to you on an ongoing basis. Lord, I know there's a lot of things going on in these lives here today. Lord, I don't want to make light of any of that stuff. These battles and struggles, they're real. But Lord, I pray we would know today that victory is found in you. And there's a war to be fought in you. And that's okay to be in that place. Help us, God, to absolutely be found moving forward in you, not being going backward, God, again into sin. And if you're here today and you haven't called upon the Lord, today's the day of salvation. Christ Jesus wants to set you free. Call upon his name. Ask him to save you. Ask him to wash you. Tell him, Lord, the life I live, Lord, I want to live it unto you. Meet me where I'm at. He absolutely will. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's finish well. Let's lift our voices to the Lord here.
minutes before the next service encourage you to you know and encourage others to fellowship build one another up and again just just pray you have a wonderful week and day in the lord jesus christ god bless you